0: Welcome to the export. report I am Raven X, and alongside me, as always, is Biggie, a.k.a. Ethan Tay, a.k.a. somebody who I got to ask. I know that you said you may not be in the biggest rush to get Madden, but next week they're going to be releasing um, its player rating. So if you had to guess, what players do you think are going to be a part of the 99 club?
1: Um, obviously Patrick Mahomes, probably, um, uh maybe i would maybe travis kelsey um uh, i think they might throw aaron Donald on it just for general principle uh Jalen ramsey really
0: after this maybe. Kind of
1: season? you know madden do they do stuff based on like history of a player not necessarily based on like Performing sometimes, so I could see them maybe throwing him a bone. Uh, I can't think it. I'm trying to think of like a line, maybe uh, yeah. That's really all I can think of.
0: All I got was Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Jay Jettis. Like other players who are the top positions, I almost say Chris Jones, but I don't think they put him at a 99. It's debatable who the best corner of this past season was. I wouldn't give Sauce a 99, nor Patrick Sartan, or uh, Jalen Ramsey. Fred Warner is great, but I don't think they're going to give an inside linebacker a 99, which is fair. There's not really a pass rusher. Maybe Nick Bosa, but that's all. So, yeah, Jay Jettas, uh, Patrick, and Tra- Killer Trav are the only ones for me that I think for sure should get a 99 but we got a really cool show for you guys today we are going to talk which NFL players we think are going to retire after this season take a look at some more moves around the NBA regarding some more trades and contract extensions as well as discuss would you rather Trade for Philly, I mean trade for Damian Lillard or trade for Zach Levine if you are the Philadelphia 76ers. But before we get to any of that, please sure check out the export.net. I repeat the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes are our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get this bad boy started. So we got some retirement news coming out of the NFL. Uh, longtime center Chase Rolier, last played for the Washington Commanders, has announced his retirement. As well as longtime running back Mark Ingram has announced his retirement and will be joining Fox's college football broadcast team. So Mark Ingram, I know he's a guy who I said this—he never was like a supreme. Running back. I mean, everybody knows that his best days were in college. But if we're talking some of the most important Saints of the past, let's say past ten years, where do you think Mark Ingram Ingram ranks on that list?
1: Most important Saints. I probably would say top five because I would say. So who
0: obviously obviously is up there?
1: Cam Jordan.
0: I would put Alvin Kamara up there.
1: Yeah, Alvin Kamara. Um, In recent, I probably would say then I would go, I would put Mark probably at four. And, like, recently I probably would put Demario Davis. So, that would probably be my top five.
0: Demario Davis is a good one. I think Malcolm Jenkins is another one I could make an argument for being in that top five. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I, I think I'd have to agree with you in terms of that i mean mark ingram was one of those guys when he first got drafted kind of was a bit of a slow roll then alvin Kamara comes in that offense really turns around he goes to baltimore for a couple seasons creates the term everybody using now big trust which fun times and yeah so i'm happy for him definitely became one of my favorite running backs down this stretch minus the fact that he went to alabama but all right let's go ahead and talk about another recent retiree and that is J.J. Watt back in 2021 when he left the Houston Texans there was a lot of speculation of where he was going to go before he surprised everyone by going to the Arizona Cardinals recently he talked about that decision and admitted that he was close to signing with the Steelers he said uh they were on the list And he added, it certainly would have been awesome to play with my brothers, TJ and Derek. But TJ was also going through a contract situation there. So the last thing I wanted to do was come in and take any money away from his contract. Like I just mentioned, he ended up signing with the Arizona Cardinals where he spent a couple of seasons. But hindsight is 2020. So do you think JJ Watt made a mistake not signing with the Steelers back in
1: 2021? Uh, 100% yes. Because, I mean... Neither the Steelers or the Cardinals really, um, like achieved anything during their stretch. But if, at least if I'm like not gonna make the playoffs and go through like a somewhat of a rough season, at least I'd rather do it with my brothers and do it with some dudes that I don't know like that. I
0: feel that. I mean, I think maybe not necessarily a mistake. To join the Steelers. But I think it was a mistake going to Arizona. Like I understand you got the bag, but it's like, why? Why go to Arizona? I know at the time it was all fun. Cause yeah, Kyler Murray looked really good. DeAndre Hawkins was there. Buda Baker was already there. It on paper it seemed like it would work out. And it just didn't. Honestly, at the time, I was like, I think he's either gonna go to Pittsburgh or Green Bay. Cause you know the Wisconsin ties, so yeah. I think either of those two would have been a better choice. But I mean, at least he could say he made the playoffs once with Arizona. So you gotta take the wins when you can get them. All right, moving on. Richard Sherman, another respected veteran, retired a couple years back. Um, with after his stints with the Seattle Seahawks, San Francisco 49ers and most recently the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He recently talked about what what let him know that he needed to retire and he credited that to wide receiver DeVonte Smith of the Philadelphia Eagles. He spoke on having to defend Smith and said, "I'm chasing him around and you're like, please don't throw him the ball, please. At that moment I was like, yeah, this is probably my last year. I don't got it for these young dudes right here." I respect Richard Sherman's honesty cuz I'm sure it takes a lot to recognize you're not that guy anymore. So after this season, Ethan, what three players do you think are going to have that realization and decide to hang it up?
1: Okay. Uh, in no particular order, Levante David, Cam Hayward, Patrick Peterson.
0: Ooh. Kind of hurt me with the Pat P one. Um, I'm going to go with. Oh yeah, Aaron Rodgers. I've been on the Aaron Rodgers is going to retire bandwagon for a long time now. I can't just I can't just give it up. Um so I'm going to go start there. Um, I think Tyron Smith, offensive tackle for the Dallas Cowboys, I think he's going to end up retiring. Mainly it's because injuries have really hampered him over the past few years. And even when he has played, he hasn't been back to the level that he was at, that all pro future Hall of Famer level. So I think this could be it. And then will allow them to uh, have Tyler Smith take over for him on Dak's blind side. And then number three, I'm going to go with Mercedes Lewis, tight end. I want to say he's with the Jets now. I want to say, I think he followed Aaron. I don't remember. But he's been playing forever in three days. And while he's still serviceable, I just think after a while, it's not like he's seeing significant touches. And I just think after a while, his body's just going to kind of wait on him. Because I want to say he's like 37 or 38. So unless he's just trying to chase a bag, it would not shock me to see him go ahead and call it quits. But all right, let's go ahead and move our, on to our game of believable of or buffoonery and i'm not gonna lie to you it is very nfc heavy starting out of the nfc north with jared goff after a pretty good season this past year in Detroit, a lot of expectations have been placed on him to think that he could make another big step. For example, his teammate, Jerry Jacobs, cornerback, said he's really top five in the NFC. Everybody's sleeping on my dog. I can't wait for him to go out there and prove everybody wrong. So, believable or before, Jerry Goff is a top five quarterback in the NFC. Uh,
1: Hold on, let's list them.
0: Jalen Hurts is the one for
1: me. Obviously, Jalen Hurts. I I guess Dak still. Dak. I would
0: put Kurt Cousins just,
1: over Jared Goff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I honestly think they're on the same playing field. But I probably still put Kurt a little bit over him. Would you put uh, Garrett
0: Carr over him? Because so far
1: we had three. I think they are like to for ten.
0: I'm trying to. I know I'm missing. Would you I will put Justin Matthew Stafford. Over him? You said who?
1: Justin Fields.
0: No. Okay. I will put Matthew uh, Stafford. So that's four, and Kyler Murray. Because I know Kyler has been, it hasn't been pretty last year. But I mean, a healthy Kyler Murray, he's more dynamic than Jared Goff to me. So I would say no. But I don't think he's too far outside of the top five.
1: I give him like. I think he would be like seven.
0: Yeah, for sure, top 10, but five. I know it's easy to have that recency bias and kind of like discount guys like Matthew Stafford or Kyler Murray because they didn't play, but I would take what they produced over what Jared Goff has produced. So, no. All right, keeping things in the NFC North, let's off the Chicago Bears, a team that has had a lot of of people excited for what they're going to be able to do this season from getting some finally getting some protection for justin fields adding some wide receiver help and having quite a few draft picks to help try to re this team it seems like the bears could really turn the corner so much so that wide receiver darnell mooney told the chicago fan base this get ready to win i'm tired of losing don't go for any hypeness or anything just get ready to win So, believable or buffoonery? The Bears will make the playoffs this season. I'm saying buffoonery. Hard buffoonery. But I think they'll be better than last year.
1: I'm saying believable. Because I think in their division, I can see, like, if Justin Fields makes a leap, I can see them winning that division. Because, like, yes, Green Bay, they still have talent. But – we don't necessarily know what Jordan Love's going to look like. Like the Vikings, they still have Jay Jettis, but now they don't have Davin Cook. So, what is their offense going to look like? And their defense has been bad. And I know, like, the Lions have made improvements, but it's also like, I think, like, out of the teams in the NFC, they're in the most winnable division. So, I can say believable. Mm, oh, yeah. No, I'm definitely still siding with.
0: Buffonery. How I look at it is, did you get enough protection for Justin Fields? If that answer is yes, that's great. Is Justin Fields going to be able to get the ball to his receivers? Because like we mentioned, they got a revamp receiving group. You got DJ Moore, who's the new number one. Darnell Mooney has been fine. Chase Claypool has been very hit or miss throughout the course of his career. What are you getting in that regard? And then you got to look at the defense. Yes, you put in a lot of money in that middle linebacker group, which I can respect. But what? Who's going to be your top pass rusher? They don't really have a good defensive line, so that's going to hurt them in getting passers. Their cornerbacks are cool. You're expecting a lot out of Tyreek Stevenson, the rookie they just got out of Miami, as well as Kyler Gordon, another second-year guy. I love their safeties, Jaquan Brisker and Eddie Jackson, but they can't do everything. And so... Even if we're talking stacked offenses, I think it's still far and away the Vikings. Because, yes, Dalvin Cook is gone, but Alexander Madison, I don't think it's going to be that big of a drop-off. They still have the best tight end in the division, and TJ Hawkinson, Jay Jett is clearly the best wide receiver. I think Jordan Addison is going to be pretty good. Yes, you have to have questions with their offense, but they're still a team that can at least put up 27 points a game. I can't say the same for the Bears. And so because of that, I'm saying no with Vikings, Packers, I think if I had to bet, I think they have the best defense in the division and I think that because they still have a strong running back duo in Aaron Jones and um oh my god You said what? AJ Dillon. Thank you. AJ Dillon. I think that's going to help take a lot of pressure off of Jordan Love, especially because that wide receiver room, it's no telling who's actually going to emerge as the guy. Christian Watson seems like the obvious choice, but who knows. But I think their defense is still going to help them out, make things easy for Jordan Love. And then the Lions, I mean, I think everybody wants the Lions to be good because this feels like the year they're going to be good, but who really knows what we're going to get. But at this moment, I feel more comfortable with their overall roster than the Bears. So, like I said, I think they're going to have a much better year than they did last year. But I don't think they win the division. And then you got to factor in the other teams across the NFC that you got to worry about. The NFC East, either the Philly, barring a catastrophe, either the Philly, I mean, either Philly or Dallas is gonna win that division. And then you gotta worry about the other team making the wild card. The NFC South is so unpredictable right now. Like everybody's saying the Saints, but who's to say that the Panthers can't make a run? Or maybe the Falcons shock everyone or the Bucks? And then the NFC West, everybody knows the 49ers are some bad mamma jammers. You gotta worry about Seahawks. You gotta worry about the Cardinals. Not really, but you know, in in theory you do. And then the Rams. We don't really know what the Rams are gonna be. So I just think While the NFC is very top heavy and it doesn't seem like, aside from the top contenders, there's many guys you really, really have to worry about, I just don't see the Bears being a top seven team in the conference. Not right now. Maybe next year, but I just, I'm not there yet. But all right, let's talk about a former teammate of justin fields and that is cj stroud who was drafted second overall by the houston texans back in april's draft one of his teammates Lermi tunsell has spoken very positively of his new quarterback and said he handles himself well he came in the building with these unbelievable leadership skills and he's killing it man how i describe cj dog he's a straight dog he's coming there ready to work he handles the huddle perfectly and he goes out there and balls man you got to really appreciate that especially in a young quarterback like c now, of course, every team is going to hype up their rookie quarterback, especially if they spend a high draft pick on him. But believable or buffoonery, C.J. Straw will have the best season of this year's rookie quarterback class.
1: Uh, I'm going to say buffoonery because I, I still think that Bryce Young has the better like targets. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I still I wouldn't be surprised if you still had a like a good season overall.
0: It's tough for me because I don't see like a major gap between Bryce Young and CJ Stroud's abilities. But like you said, I'm gonna give the slight nod to Bryce because of the weapons around him. Like in Houston it's a lot of unknowns. Like Noah Brown just came over there from Dallas. This is his first year there um they just drafted wide receiver from houston whose name i'm gonna remember when i do not care tankdale um they're expecting big things from him but they don't really know what it's gonna be you know they have some other veterans who've been in tow who haven't really stood out yet so It'll be interesting to see how all these new pieces come together. Because, honestly, we don't even know what Houston's offense is going to look like. Because D'Amico Ryan takes over as head coach. What offensive scheme is he going to implement? Because everybody knows the defense is going to look much different. So, I'm going to say buffoonery, but I think he still has a pretty good year. Especially because he is in a very winnable division. But, all right, last piece. We're sticking things in the South, but we're switching back over to the NFC South. And we're going to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's easy to forget that they did just win a Super Bowl a few years back. But since the retirement of Tom Brady, everyone is expecting them to fall off a cliff, which is fair. However, cornerback Carlton Davis says people are making a mistake underestimating them. He said, we're about to do it to them. Anybody who feels we've lost Tom and lost something is going to be in for a rude awakening. A rude awakening. Tom was a great addition for us, but obviously it's a team sport. Obviously you need components to be successful successful we still have those components and i'm only getting better we're going to wreck shit like wreck shit interceptions turnovers plays will be made so believable or buffoonery the buccaneers will win nine or more games this season
1: Um, i'm gonna say believable just because that division i did great
0: i think they i'm gonna say believable as well because how many games did they win last year hold on i'm cheating um, they won the division with a
1: won it like eight and eight or something like
0: that? I don't think it was eight and eight, but it meant like was it like nine and eight? It wasn't like a dominant record. Why is this making it so hard? Yeah, they didn't have that good of a record last year, but even still, I mean I know everybody, the big question is what is Baker Mayfield going to do, and rightfully so, but I think that the defense is still has potential to be pretty good. I mean, you still got Vita Bayanto, Levante David came back, y'all didn't trade Devin White, Carlton Davis, even though he was kind of hit or miss last year, he's back, and then you still got um, other cornerback that they have, Jamil Dean there, Antoine Winfield Jr. still wreaking havoc at safety. I think that this is going to be one of those years where the Bucs are going to rely heavily on that defense, but I think it's going to pay off really well for them. And I think that they can win nine plus games and maybe even win the division. Who knows? But I think nine or more wins is realistic. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to the end B-A. Starting off with some contract extensions starting out in the Motor City. Forward Isaiah Stewart signed a four-year, $64 million extension. Um, he becomes the first non-maximum extension player for the 2020 draft class. Also, he is the first Pistons rookie to get an extension from owner Tom Gore since 2011. The last player to do that was Andre Drummond. Which is kind of insane to think about. Uh, heading down to the dirty south with the Atlanta Hawks giving Dejounte Murray guard a four-year, hundred and twenty million dollar extension. Ethan, I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm kind. Of, I get them doing it, but I would not be shocked if he does not stay in Atlanta throughout whole, that whole contract.
1: Who got that again? Dejounte Murray. Oh yeah. I I don't think he's gonna be there for the whole.
0: Yeah, I just think it's a matter of time. And this is nothing against Dejounte and Murray. It's just, I think the Hawks are one of those teams. Like they are one or two big losses away from just blowing that thing up. And I could see. I know there was a lot of speculation of possibly Trey Young ending up being traded, but I think I could see Dejounte and Murray be the first piece to go before doing the big move of getting rid of DeJounte. of uh trade Young, but happy for him. I like him as a player, so I like the move. Uh, speaking of the Hawks, they traded for golf for guard Patty Mills as a member of a two a trade with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, here's how the trade breakdown goes: Hawks get Patty Mills while the Thunder receive tie tie Washington, Uzman garuba rudy Rudy Wade, and a second round pick. In the past 10 days, this is the third time Patty Mills has been traded. First, on July 1st, he was traded from the Nets to the Rockets, then the next day from the Rockets to the Thunder, and now to the Hawks. So, just playing devil's advocate, do you think he ends up suiting up for the Hawks this season, or do you think he's on the move again?
1: He's either on the move he's just going to be like their vet presence on the end of the bench.
0: And they could use one. I mean, not many teams – I'll say this, Trey Young is known for many things. His maturity is not exactly one of them, so maybe having a guy like Patty Mills and Ron could help him kind of hone in on his game and kind of work on his leadership skills that uh, appear to be lacking. All right, speaking of trade news, the Boston Celtics have traded another cog of their roster, sending Grant Williams to the Dallas Mavericks as a part of a four-year $53 million sign-in trade. The overall trade is broken down between the Mavs, Spurs, and Celtics. The Mavs get Grant Williams, the Spurs receive Reggie Bullock in a 2030 unprotected Dallas swap, and the Celtics get multiple second-round picks. How do you like this move for Dallas in acquiring uh, Grant Williams?
1: Oh, uh, I think it's a good. I think it's a good move for them. I don't see it really pushing the needle. Like, I mean, in my in my estimation, he's just gonna be a guy that like replaces Dwayne Finney Smith because he's gonna he's probably gonna be their starting power for He's a defender and he can shoot, and this is exactly what Dwayne Finney Smith was. So. It's not really, like, a huge needle mover, in my opinion, but it's a good move.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, because looking at the way that the Dallas Mavericks roster is constructed, I don't necessarily think they're going to be a team that's going to try to load up on superstars. I don't think they actually can, even if they wanted to. And so everybody knows it's going to be the Kyrie and Luka show, and I think now they're just trying to find pieces to kind of help get some depth and kind of I'm trying to think of the right word – and try to help to make up for some of the areas that Luca and Kyrie lack in. So, I don't hate it, but I don't think it's, like you said, I don't think it's a needle mover. But let's talk the summer league. I'll admit, I kind of view the summer league kind of like comparable to the NFL preseason because it's a lot of young guys getting some action who may not see significant time. Rookies are getting to get a lot of play in, but... Unlike the preseason, I don't really go out of my way to watch the Summer League. Sorry, my bad. But there's still a lot of important talking points coming out of it. Starting off with private workouts held by veteran guards John Wall and Isaiah Thomas. Between the two, which one would you rather have the Grizzlies sign if you had to pick? I would go John Wall for the Lakers, if I'm personal.
1: Uh, me?
0: You got to pick between the two. I got to pick. Gunny, to your head, you I'm have to in, sign one of them. Who would you sign?
1: If I had to sign one of them, it probably would be Isaiah Thomas, just because I feel like he could he could be another good veteran piece. John Wall, like, he he, look like he just gave me the vibe of being another locker room cancer.
0: I would go with John Wall just because, and this is no disrespect to Isaiah Thomas, because I do love me some Isaiah Thomas. I just feel like at this point, I think you get more out of John Wall. Then Isaiah Thomas, or at least defensively, like, of course, both are going to end up getting hurt sooner rather than later, which is a drawback, of course. But even still, I would take my chances on John Wall. But all right, let's talk about the athletes that the Summer League is really made for, and that is rookies and fellow young players. Starting things off with Houston, uh, their first draft pick, Amin Thompson, is going to be out for the remainder of the Summer League after suffering a, a ankle injury. Uh, the first overall pick, Wimbenyama, is going to be shut down after playing two games in the Summer League. And one of the players who has been balling out in this in Vegas, is second-year player for the Houston Rockets, Jabari Smith Jr. Now, people have been questioning why is he playing, and he opened up about it. He said, I'm 20 years old. Why wouldn't I play? We were 22-60 and 60 last year. My rookie year wasn't perfect, so why not get out there and get reps? Play, play with my new teammates and coaches. So, Ethan, in your opinion, do you think – not that it should be a requirement that, like, second-year and third-year players – play in the summer league, but do you think there are benefits for younger players to participate?
1: Uh, I mean, because Jabari is in his second year, right? Yeah. Yeah, then 100%. Because I, if I remember correctly, I've seen like year guys be in summer league before. Um, so I think it is a benefit, especially if it's like a situation like him um, being in Houston where he was on the team where you have Jalen Smith and Kevin Porter Jr. at the time like he wasn't really and um he wasn't really getting them reps just like being able to develop so I think it's a good thing for him to go down there.
0: Yeah I would agree with that and I think that like, I think he made a good point of, like, getting to know your new teammates, especially for a young team like the Rockets, who are going to rely heavily on these younger guys. I think that it is beneficial to kind of get a sense of what it's like to play with them, get familiar with your coaching staff. I think it's beneficial. I don't think they'll ever, like, teams will ever make it a requirement. Because, like, for example, I'm 99.9% sure Ja didn't play in the summer league his second year.
1: Nah, but it was different for Jha because ja was the, the established yeah. on the team.
0: Yeah, exactly. So wh- I say that to say, like, I don't think they'll ever make it a requirement that, like, if you're only in your second year or so, you have to play. I think it's probably, they'll keep it more as an optional thing, but I think it does have a lot of benefits to play in the summer league. Alright, let's go ahead and move on to some league news so it was after um voting from the nba and there's a couple new rule changes coming for the 2023 2024 season first off flops will result in a technical foul and a free throw and coaches will be given a second challenge if the first is successful i like these two new moves what do you think
1: Uh, i like it i think the whole thing around it's gonna be for me the flopping thing is just gonna be difficult because it's like how are you going to accurately determine what's a flop and like you know one person might actually flop and they get away with it and another person actually gets contact and then they get called for a flop so that's the only thing but i do like the fact they're doing is to maybe reduce the amount of flopping in the nba because it it was starting to get bad
0: yeah and i think I, I wonder how they're, like you said, how they're going to police that because there's players who have a history of flopping, and so I think they're going to be watched more closely, whereas other guys who don't really have a history, I think they'll probably maybe get away with it more times. I think it'll have to be like a blatant flop. For them to really call it other than that they'll probably try to err on the side of caution so it'll be interesting to see how they implement that and then the coaches challenge i mean that just makes sense like kind of just have it like football i mean it's no point of yeah but more information coming out of the nba so it's been speculated for years that Adam Silver wanted to implement an in-season tournament and earlier this week more information finally came about about what this tournament is supposed to look like. So here it is explained. All 30 teams divided into six groups of five teams. Groups are determined by a draw based on prior season's regular season record. Um, In terms of group play, tournament nights will take place every Tuesday and Friday from November 3rd to the 28th, with the exception of Election Day on Tuesday, November 7th, when no games will be played. Each team will each team plays the four teams in its group once two home and two away. All tournament games will count towards the regular season standings except the championship. And so the champ quarterfinals will take place December 4th through the 5th at the home city of the higher seed. Um, The semifinals and championship will take place December 7th in Vegas. And what is at stake? Teams competing will win the all-new NBA Cup in terms of league honors. At the conclusion of the tournament, the NBA will have the most valuable player of the end-season tournament and an all-tournament team in the prize pool will be allocated to players on the teams that participate in the knockout rounds. Again, games begin November 3rd with the finals taking place December 7th through the 9th in Vegas, And here are the group draw results starting out of the Western Conference. In West A, it will be the Grizzlies, Suns, Lakers, Jazz, and Trailblazers. West B will be the Nuggets, Clippers, Pelicans, Mavericks, and Rockets. West C, you have the Warriors, Kings, Timberwolves, Thunder, and Spurs. Moving on to East A, you got 76ers, Cavaliers, Hawks, Pacers, and Pistons. The East B group will be the Heat. Knicks, bucks wizards and hornets and ec will be the celtics nets raptors bulls and magic we talked about this a little bit off the air but i'm sure we could probably expand on it now that we have a clearer sense of what this tournament is do you think that this will create more buzz around it or make it seem more appealing to nba fans
1: no because I mean I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about it um they were talking about it and the thing of it is is nothing about this really is appealing to the fan right like the only appealing the only real incentive right now that is given is to the players because they could potentially get I think it's an extra five hundred thousand dollars um for the team that wins like that's great for the Players on a team, especially the guys that like aren't the top guys, that get like guaranteed good money. But like from a fan standpoint, it's like, bro, to us, it's just gonna be like regular games. Like it's nothing really exciting about this because it's like, okay, what you gonna do? If your team wins the midseason tournament. I'm oh, my team the midseason champion. What about yours? Like we nobody's just won the NBA
0: championship.
1: Be... Yeah, like you won the NBA championship, not some tournament that's made in the middle of the season. So I don't I don't think it's really going to be that exciting. I think the only way that this will garner excitement is if they potentially add some type of, like, stipulation to the winning team. Like, your team gets a draft pick, or, like, it helps to a certain degree in, like, um, positioning in the playoffs. Your team makes the playoffs. But other than that, it's just like, oh, so we're just going to be watching them play in this thing on Tuesdays and Fridays when we're gonna probably, we probably probably would have been watching these games anyway if it was just the regular season.
0: Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I didn't really care when they first announced it. And seeing this, like you said, is not making me care more because what are – I don't see as fans, what are we getting out of this? Like, they're going to get a trophy that – doesn't carry any weight. I there's never gonna be any NBA player who's like, man, look, I know I didn't win a ring, but hey, I got that NBA Cup trophy for the midseason tournament, so don't nobody care. I just think that I understand Adam Silver wants to do something kind of new and this is kind of similar to the Commissioner's Cup that the WNBA is doing. But it's just I don't, I don't see a point to it, and I don't think, like, because I'll admit, I was skeptical of the play-in when it was first announced. But the big difference between the play-in and this is the play-in actually has repercussions. This actually matters. And so with this, yes, the records go towards the sand-in, but so would any other game that they would have played on a Tuesday or Friday night and then not only that it would not shock me if like star players weren't playing just because it's like why exert extra energy to play for something we don't really care about like it's not it's not going towards the playoffs it's not helping me get a ring and so and we are the nba already has a low management problem and i know that they set that limit of like you got to play like 65 games to be able to be looked at for nba awards and honors and stuff but it's like i don't expect all pro, all great athletes to be like, oh, I gotta play in these games. Like, I think this will kind of feel like not a night off for star players, but definitely an opportunity for younger players to get shine because the veterans are focused on a ring, not an in-season trophy that nobody cares about. Yeah. So we shall see how it goes. We could all be wrong, but as of right now, I'm not really I'm not sold. But all right, let's go ahead and play our game of believable or buffoonery, starting off with the Golden State Warriors. Damian Lillard has been the most talked about player this offseason, and rightfully so, multi-year veteran in Portland, wants to get traded. Where is he going to go? Nobody knows. However, it seems like the he could have returned to the Bay had they not made a move for Chris Paul. Uh, reportedly, they could, the I'm sorry, I can't even talk. The Warriors could have waited for Dame. Dame is from the Bay Area, and I know he was interested. If he was going to ask for a trade, the Warriors would have been on that list, and this is rec- rec- according to Rabona Shelburne. So, believable or buffoonery? The Warriors would instantly be title favorites had they traded for Damian Lillard. I'm saying buffoonery, but it would have been fun. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's
1: like, I just don't know how that dynamic would have worked. Me either I mean I I think if you uh, it depends on what they were willing to give up. Like if it was in my opinion, if it's a situation where you keep obviously obviously you're not gonna give up Steph or Dane. But like if it's a situation somehow where you're able to get keep um Clay, Steph and J Money, and did add Dane I think they might – it would have worked because, I mean, them three with any superstar-level talent, I can see working out, especially somebody that can shoot just like, dang, him and still. But, uh, yeah, but I don't know how they trade with have one down.
0: And, I mean, I know this is kind of like beating a dead horse because today's NBA doesn't exactly value this as much. But who's playing defense? Steph don't really play no defense. Dame don't play no defense. So essentially, it will be the same issue they had last year. We are either going to outgun you, we're going to outscore you, or we're going to get destroyed, particularly in the post, and we're going to lose. There's very little in between when it came to the Warriors. So, I I'm gonna again I'm saying buffoonery, but I mean it would be it'll create some interesting talking points. I just wonder. I know it wouldn't be to like the same level of like. LeBron going to Miami or KD going to Golden State, but I wonder how all these fans were like, "Yeah, Dame, you should get traded." How they would look at him if he ended up going to Golden State? Do you do you personally think people would try to knock him for going to a team like the Warriors, or do you think it's different because it's not the Warriors are coming off a seventy three and nine championship or season or championship?
1: no, people definitely would that yeah because it's just like you talked about loyalty. You decide to leave, but then you gotta go. You go to the, you go to the, the current dynasty. Like, it, it, even though the Warriors aren't the seventy and three nine Warriors, that the KD would have still want to.
0: It's still a bad reality
1: look. of it. Yeah, it's still a bad look because I mean, just this past season, um, the year before, they won the championship, so they still like. I know this current season, their past, they had their issues. But their team still showed that they when push comes to show, you can look up and they can still be a championship caliber team. Right. So yeah, they definitely would have looked at I would have looked at him a certain type of way.
0: It's weird. I don't know if I'll say like like I said, I wouldn't look at him as harshly as like KD or LeBron. But I would definitely be like, Really? Like I mean and part of me would get it. I mean, you've been grinding for however many years 11 12 years with Portland and it hasn't led to anything but I think Dame is still good enough to where he doesn't have to pull like a Jared Jack like you not just joining the team the Warriors to like ride the bench and hoping to win a championship and so I would look at him kind of different but I I would understand but speaking of Dame, it seems like he and his agent have dug their heels on the fact that it is Miami or Bust and he will not entertain a trade anywhere else. Reportedly, he might not even report to another team if they were to trade for him. However, that has some fans feeling some type of way about this. For example, one fan tweeted, This could be the tipping point for the NBA as we know it. Players signing max deals only to force their way out is going to break the system. If Dame wants to go to Miami and Miami only so badly, he he shouldn't have signed an extension in portland through 2027 they owe him nothing so believable or buffoonery dame is doing the Trailblazers a disservice with his miami trade request
1: i mean yes but that's the nature of the business because if it was the other way around it would have happened yeah and my thing is is like People like Dame saying he going to sit out. Are you like, what? So you sit out, you think this dude going to get you traded to Miami? Because like you, if a team trades for you and pulling themselves to trade and you sit out, they like, they're not just going to be like, oh, I'm going to just trade you to Miami. It's, At least in my opinion. It's weird because
0: it's like, I I feel for Dame in this situation because, like, you have given everything you have to this team. And, again, he's kind of reached the point in his career where he should be able to say, hey, I want to go here. And I guess the frustrating thing with Portland is, like, why are y'all – what do you expect to get for Dame? In the sense of, like, we talked about this off the air, but apparently – they're interested in Zach Levine, and they want like four first-round picks and two quality players or whatever. Where, how far do you really expect this team to go? Because even if you get Zach Levine, maybe a play-in team is the best yeah. I got for y'all. And if you don't, but you know, them, you said what?
1: I was gonna say, you know why this is a thing, all right?
0: Yeah, because it's
1: because <laughs> no because of
0: Rudy Gobert last year oh for sure and I get it because Rudy got for whatever reason the Timberwolves just felt so good about giving up all of that to get him I hear you I understand but it's just like and yes Dame is significantly better than Rudy but it's just like if you are the I I hate it for Dame and I get it because it does him saying I want to go here and only here I respect that from his perspective because I mean player I mean teams bounce players around all the time sitting in places they wouldn't want to go. So it's about time that players, you know, take agency of their own careers and be like, hey, I want to go here. I don't want to go nowhere else. Does it hurt Portland? Not hurt, but does it put Does it put Portland in a trail? I mean in a corner? Yes. But I think that they should honor it. Maybe you don't want Tyler Hero. That's fine. Just try to work out a three-team trade. Just do something. Because I think the longer this draws out, the worse the Trailblazers are going to look and not Dane.
1: I mean, I think it's from the standpoint, too, of this. is like, I understand Dane wants to go to Miami. But it's also like, In my opinion it 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 somewhat goes back to the whole winning thing. Like in my opinion, Dame and Miami, even though they just made it to the NBA finals, like, I don't see Dame and Miami being a championship winning team. Like, I think they be I think they can do like they can make it to the finals and be competitive. I don't necessarily know if I will see, I can say they're a a championship winning team in my opinion. Because, like, I love Jimmy Butler, dearly. But offensively, Jimmy Butler is like, I'm not going to say he's a liability, but at times he can be, he can disappear. And so, like, when you're in the game of that magnitude, and there's also times where he'll turn it on and he'll carry you. But it's like we saw it in the finals. Which version of that are you gonna get? Because it was multiple times in the finals this past year against the Nuggets. Well, we looking like, okay, Jimmy, we need you to do your thing. And it just doesn't happen. To me, if you were like, if if you were dang, like a team like Steele, would intrigue me because not only from a standpoint of this, also, you and Jimmy Butler are like the same age. So both of y'all like in your mid-30s, like towards the, I'm not going to say tail end of your career, but towards the latter half of your career. So you're telling me you would rather be with him or a guy in like Joel B that just won MVP and he's still an all aspects in his prime and like the team is better the team because of the pieces that Miami lost and could lose in trading for you it could derail their like championship aspirations
0: but I mean I don't think he just wants to go there and host win a championship he's already talked about he has strong relationships with Bam and Jimmy and other players there and then, I mean, I'm sure he probably wouldn't mind living in South Beach. Miami's a beautiful place to live. I don't think the only factor is him wanting to win a championship. Because if that was the case, then maybe he should have just went to uh, Golden State or maybe Philly or a team, maybe L.A., a team like that. So I i don't think that's the only factor. But, of course, I'm sure that plays a role in it. And, I mean, I hear everything you're saying about Joel Embiid and he's an MVP. But he hasn't done more in the playoffs than Jimmy Butler has that's just a fact and I know that and even with Je- Joel B, nobody really knows what the future holds with them let's say they have another second round exit or maybe he suffers an injury and isn't able to play or something like that how much longer do you think that Joel Embiid is going to want to be in Philly and so I think in today's NBA there's no real guarantees and I think that you just got to find the team that you feel is the best fit for you for whatever reason and it seems like he's Feels like he has that fit in Miami. And so I think why not follow it? If it was solely based on the championship, this should've made Miami's not the top choice. But it seems like there's other things about playing for the Heat that intrigue him. And like I said, he's given put his time in. And I think he's earned the right to play for who he wants to play for if they can make it happen. That's just me. But all right, let's go ahead and move on two you mentioned rudy gobert a bit ago and um it still has people question whether or not this the minnesota's timberwolves mindset of big man led basketball can win friendly reminder they already have cat in tow. traded for rudy gobert last offseason gave center nas reed a three-year 42 million dollar contract extension when asked about this recently Carl Anthony Towns has said in terms of three big men can't win in the modern era to which he replied effing watch us so believable or buffoonery the Timberwolves will buck the trend of small ball taking over the NBA and win a title big buffoonery over here but again I like the confidence
1: before I give my answer people need to stop asking Carl Anthony Towns questions <laughs> yeah, like completely like they need to stop interviewing him. He needs to stop being on podcasts because this man is delusional. Like, it to me, it's not even the thought around can big can a team buck the system and win with two bigs I wholeheartedly. I think I think there are teams that could actually do it. I don't think it's the Timberwolves no. because I do
0: bigs to do it.
1: Yes, like, like, bro, Carl Anthony Towns plays, he plays more like a small a small ball big than he does an actual big, like, and Rudy Gobert is limited offensively, so it's like, again, like I stated it before when they made the trade for Rudy Gobert, I was like, y'all literally took away our best advantage. We just having cards in the towns play center because then you're taking away other teams' bigs from a rim protection standpoint. Now, because I mean, cards in the towns can can be guarded by small by small ball power forwards. I mean, hell, Dylan Brooks guarded them and clamped them in the playoff series before. Um, uh, in last year at different points, so it's like it's not gonna happen. Like I think the best. The best variation that we might would have seen of two bigs bucking the system is if we would have saw DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis both of them stay healthy and play uh, continue to play together in New Orleans because they had the talent and the capabilities like their games mesh well they were both big like and they both were like you can utilize them offensively to take advantage of small ball, like because you put a you put a small ball center on Anthony Davis or Boogie, they can they can eat because they can go up against regular size centers. And then if you put a power forward in today's NBA that is basically a small forward that just can't dribble against a, one of them, they'll destroy them. But no, there's no way that the, the Timberwolves are gonna win anything
0: yeah and I mean it's still not outside the realm of possibility that Cat could be traded I mean just maybe not during the off season but sometime during the season it would not shock me at all And because friendly reminder ladies and gentlemen I know Cat keeps getting asked questions and is the main one spitting the delusion and the shenanigans but everybody named Mama knows that's Anthony Edwards team Cat may not know it or may not admit to it but it's Ant's world they're just living in it I can see one of them being bounced. All right. Let's go ahead. A couple more questions. Coach Pop signed a big contract extension with the San Antonio Spurs. A five-year deal worth 80 mil. Coach Pop has been a legend of the business, arguably the greatest basketball coach of all time. So believable or buffoonery. Coach Pop will stick with the Spurs during his entire contract extension. So that's five years on top of what he's already doing. I'm going to say buffoonery, but I think it's going to be fun these last few years of him.
1: I think I'm going to say believable because I don't – I think he's going to stay with the experience. He just wants to stay the coach. I think he'll move up to the front office.
0: And now if we're talking like that, then, yeah, I think he's going to make a move because, what? how old is Coach Pop? He is
1: like, – Pop like 70 something.
0: Yeah, he's 74. I have a hard time believing he's going to keep coaching till he's 79, almost 80. Um, because I'm sure he they them young boys probably gonna stress him out now. I think it's gonna be fun seeing what he's gonna be able to do with Wimbenyama over these next few years, but to expect him to be coaching till he's 80 I hard hard sell for me. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our last piece. I talked about it a little bit ago, but Zach Levine's name has kind of been brought up in trade conversations. Reportedly, the Philadelphia 76ers and Portland Trailblazers have been interested in trading for the Chicago Bulls star. And so you and I both agree it makes no sense for the Trailblazers to do it, but let's look at it from the Philly perspective. So instead of a believable buffoonery, this is a would you rather. If you're Philly, would you rather trade for Damian Lillard or trade for Zach Levine?
1: Me, personally, I would trade for Damian Lillard, because I feel like adding him to their team with what he brings from a leadership standpoint and even just the whole concept of, like, him being a battle-tested veteran he's been in the playoffs, I would want that over what Zach Romain offers.
0: It's tough, because, I mean, it, I look at it a couple ways. If we're talking purely the player, I would go Dame over Zach Levine. But if you are, if you truly believe Dame doesn't want to go anywhere besides Miami, I don't think they're really going to be able to change his mind. And so then you got to factor in the compensation. Who's it going to cost more to get? And if I had to guess, I think it would be Dame because he's is he more accomplished than Zach Levine? I it depends. Oh,
1: hundred <sighs> percent He's, he's, way, he's definitely more accomplished than Zach Levine. I think the whole thing around, this is my thought process around it, is that I understand game, you know, they said, like, I want to stay, I want to go to Miami. I'm If I go anywhere else, I'm not going to do all of it. But, like, you get traded and then you get in the locker room you be around them guys and you see like, what what you could potentially do with them guys, they could easily change. Like we've seen them before where guys like, I don't wanna play anywhere else but this place and then they end up going to a different place and they play and they work and it works out. Like because they that part of that part to me I don't really like I'm not gonna say I think it's a smoke screen, but I think it it could be easier to sway them Because even still like the way Dame has been in Portland is like, he's been loyal through and through. So then it's going to be like, okay, yeah, you can't, you can't fault. Like, in my opinion, you can't fault the 76ers for making a trade for you because of the player that you are. Yeah, no. You can be upset. You can be upset in Portland for not honoring your trade request and sending you to this team. But you can't be upset at the team that wants, because to me, at the end of the day, if a team shows interest in you and shows that they want you, you're going to value that.
0: I disagree with that. Because let's say the Orlando Magic show interest in him. He's not going to value that. He don't want to go to Orlando. I think it depends on the team.
1: But yeah, but I'm saying, but I'm just talking about it from the context of the two teams that we're referencing or really in this case, the two players connected to the 76ers. Like if... If you're and you get traded to the Seven Sisters. Yes, you might have that moment where it's like, bro, I really want to go to Miami. This is trash. But then you look up, you go to Philly. First thing first, you meet Nick Nurse, who was a champion, who already won a championship with a roster that, in my opinion, overall what, what wasn't better than what the roster could potentially be with Dame and Philly. Then again, from a basketball standpoint, you're going to be playing alongside Joel Embiid. Yes, I know he hasn't really accomplished much in the playoffs, but like you're playing, you're going to be playing with a top ten player, and then you can be the you can you can essentially be the guy that you don't like. All the pressure isn't going to be on you anymore. You could be the guy that kind of coast and steps up when you need to step up. And just, you know, because Joel Embiid's younger. So like a lot of the pressure is gonna be on him. So I would say Philly, you just make in my opinion, it just makes more sense to go after Dame. Because again, Zach Levine hasn't accomplished anything. Like I don't even think that at this current point in his career, Zach Levine is the best player that he he will be. I and like that. that's something because of like the tremendous talent that he has, that's another reason why it's like what like what level of commitment will you be getting from Zach Levine if you go for him? Are you getting a guy that because he's so supremely talented, he can average twenty five easily and then but not really put in the work? Or are you gonna get a guy that's gonna come in and be locked in and like could potentially be a generational type talent?
0: Yeah, it's hard. I, Like I said, if we're talking purely player versus player and what they produce on the court, if I'm 76ers, sure, 100% going for Dame. It's just the everything else that you have to question, which is why that's what makes Zach Levine an argument for me. In terms of realist, realistic trades, I could see Zach Levine getting traded there sooner than I see Dame, but I think Dame is the better player, so... It'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Um, like everybody else, or at least all other basketball fans, we're all interested to see what's going to happen with Dane. Um, Hopefully we'll have resolution by the time our next show rolls around. So thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please be sure to check out the our PeteTheExport.net, for exclusive sports content written by yours truly, fellow Export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X report Ethan, anything you want to say before we get up out of here.
1: Uh, You saw that they That the is Probably going to be on hard knocks
0: Yeah and I'm not mad at it at all I think it's going to be interesting
1: I think the funniest thing ever Is going to be Zach Wilson in practice Trying to outdo Aaron Rodgers I,
0: I, I, This going to sound bad I don't know if that's going to be possible Now it'll be interesting I don't think they're going to press too much On how Zach Wilson feels about Aaron Rodgers Being there Because I don't really think Aaron Rodgers is going to be down for, like, doing the cameras and stuff because I know you mentioned you don't really watch hard knocks. Like, even last year, it wasn't the big-name players for the Lions really weren't doing it. Like, for example, Jared Goff didn't do too much with it. Um, Well, that's kind of an oxymoron. What really big-name players did they have? Amon Ross St. Brown did some stuff. Aiden Hutchinson was heavily featured. Obina Ezzy, former Memphis Tiger, before he transferred to TCU – he was on there a lot, Malcolm Rodriguez. So they really focused on the younger players. So I'm interested to see what angle hard knocks takes for the Jets. But I think anybody who's expecting it to be the Aaron Rodgers show is going to be sadly mistaken. But yeah, I'm excited for it. Um, I got nothing really. Um, probably next week, like we usually do, the top 10 ESPN is starting to put out their top 10 positional player list. Um, I think they're on defense this week, so I'm excited to talk about that because I've already seen some really uh, questionable rankings, so I'm looking forward to talking about that with you. And, um, yeah, that's all I got for right now. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you all next time.